Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to episode two of the Daily Bible Podcast. I'm Pastor PJ, along with Pastor Rod. Welcome back. You made it to another day. Another day. Uh, God didn't come back yet, so we're back again. That's true. If you guys tune in and there's no podcast... You better watch out if you're still here. <laughs> Should Tim, ask some questions right away. Tim LaHaye has a series of books that you can find. <laughs> you can read. No, read the Bible. Um, that'll help you more than Tim LaHaye. Hey, uh, anyways, uh, we're back. And uh, today's reading comes from 2 Chronicles 4 through 6 and John chapter 12, verses 20 through 50. Mm. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapters 4 through 6, again, remember from yesterday, Solomon is in the process of constructing the temple. And in chapter four, we begin to see more of the detail of that. And uh, in if Chronicles is, is nothing else, it is detailed. Mm-hmm. There is a, a long laundry list of measurements and sizes and everything else in there. And it's important because it reminds us that God is a God of detail. He is not a God of disorder or chaos. And it, he's not a God who just said, hey, build whatever you want to build and make it look however you want to look. Right. He was specific. It says there in verse one, he made an altar of bronze 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 10 cubits high. It's well, a cubit. A cubit, well, you guys know what a cubit is. You use it all the time. No, it's it's about 18 inches. So 20 cubits, we're dealing with about 360 inches. We're dealing with about 30 feet. About 30 feet, yeah. That's massive. That's I don't know if you've thought about how big the altar was, but 30 by 30 by 15 feet tall. It's a lot of sacrifices. Yeah. The, the priests literally had to climb steps to get up to the altar. When it talks in scripture about the steps that they had to go up to, it's when we think of an altar, you may think of a liturgical church or someplace like that. You've been, you've seen this kind of rectangular looking table up at the front that comes up about waist high. That was not the altar of the Old Testament. Mm. This thing was massive. But yeah, God is a God of detail. We see that all throughout chapter four. And that's also helpful for the audience too. Uh, if Depending on how you slice it. The audience for this work were the returned exiles. There are people that needed to see that God knew what was happening. He had a specific plan and purpose in mind. And look, all these details that God gave Israel, and God gave Solomon at this case, were not incidental. They weren't accidental. They were specific planned purposes of God. And this would have given great encouragement to that original audience. They would have said, oh man, God hasn't forgotten us. Look at all the time that God spent in just giving us the instructions for the bronze altar. Big deal. Big deal for sure. And it's it's also something to, to walk in. I don't know if you've ever walked into a cathedral or you've walked into a really ornate church and just that sense of awe that can overtake us. And, and that was part of God's purpose here too, was just to cause people to walk into his dwelling place, his earthly dwelling place and mm-hmm. be impressed. Um, and one of the most impressive parts of it was the, the Holy of Holies, which granted not many people got to see him unless you're the, the high priest. Right. Um, but one of the, the key parts of the Holy of Holies was the Ark. And in chapter five, I, I kind of titled chapter five, the Ark comes home. Um, you may remember that the Ark has gone through quite a journey from all the way back uh, with, with, uh, with King Saul uh, and the Philistines took it captive for a while. And then uh, Saul wanted to, uh, to bring it back, but that didn't go well. David then went to go bring it back. You had Uzziah, the, the Uziah, the Hittite. That's not it. That's not it. Uriah, the Hittite. He's not involved. Yuza was the guy's name. That's right. Yeah. I, I'm just I was tripping on the fact that you title 
passages in the Bible? You, you give them your own titles? I, Are the titles there not good enough for you? You well, just feel like, you know what? I need to do my own titles. The titles aren't inspired. <laughs> I know. I'm just surprised you're adding your own titles as all. Well. I'd helps love to me. see a Pastor PJ version of the Bible. That's all I, I'm saying. I'll, I won't sign it, though. That <laughs> weirds me out. When people sign the Bible, it's like, unless your name is Yahweh, and there's only one, you shouldn't sign the Bible. Well. Hot takes with Pastor PJ. Not endorsed by Pastor How to title Rob. your Bible, too, with Pastor PJ. <laughs> the Ark Comes Home. It's a good title, because it does. It's a good title. That's my whole point in I'm all not of denying this. that. Not denying that. It's just that, the, the, finally, here Solomon finishes the journey, and the Ark comes to Jerusalem. Mm. And the Ark, you know, Indiana Jones and all the mythology around the Ark and everything else in pop culture. You, you know where the Ark is today. We know where it is, don't we, Pastor Rob? Absolutely. And I, I can't tell you, because I may not make it back alive, but I have it. Well, we in Revelation, it's John sees it in heaven. He sees it. Oh, in, that's a replica. I actually have the real one. You have the okay. Never mind. Pastor Rod's got the real one. Um, if you do, then we're going to talk about uh, how we can maybe set up a tourist trap on that and build a building. That's right. Uh, I promise we won't talk about a building in every single episode of this podcast. But many of them, though. But a lot, of, maybe it's on our heart until too. we get one. Um, and then yeah. what we're going to talk about. Chapter five, the ark comes to a building. The ark comes to the ark comes to a building. And here's a note now, verse three. It, it happens in the seventh month, the feast that is in the seventh month, which everybody knows the feast that is in the seventh month. That's why he doesn't tell us what it is, because every good Jewish man, woman, child would have known, oh, that's a feast of booze. That's the feast of tabernacles. And, and probably everybody listening knew that too. So of course. And I don't want to condescend to you guys. Please forgive me for talking down to you. I just wanted to throw it out there. Can you, uh, can you give a little exegetical insight into what the Feast of Booths was all about? So Israel wandered through the wilderness, and I know you guys know this, but they wandered through the wilderness, and one way that God wanted to commemorate his faithful provision in the wilderness is to design a party, a feast, to showcase, look, I provided for you by giving you food in, in season, your, your sandals didn't wear out, I gave, you, I gave you birds to eat, and I gave you flakes from heaven, cornflakes from heaven, and one way they did that was to commemorate it every year by sleeping in tents, booths, or tabernacles, and remembering God's faithfulness in all of the time that they wandered in the wilderness. It's a beautiful image of God's provision. Chapter 6, then, we get into um, Solomon's prayer of dedication, and uh, he reminds Israel at, at the outset just of God's faithfulness, that God promised that he would build uh, this temple through Solomon, that Solomon was was the one that's that's doing that, that's that's carrying this out. And then he he goes into this prayer um, where we see the humility of Solomon, where he again acknowledges before God. He says, look, I, I, I'm not pretending that, that this house contains who you are. You're bigger than, than this could ever hope to contain. Um, but then he just asks God, and I, I love this prayer because he just asks God to hear. You know, when we sin, hear when we repent. Mm -hmm. If we're defeated in, in battle, hear when we come back to you. Um, hear from your throne. Hear where you are. If, if there's no rain, hear and send rain upon your people. Solomon is just putting Israel in a place of complete dependence upon God in this prayer. Yeah, I love the repeated refrain of that, hearing it. He begs God, please hear us, respond to us. And the temple that he's now dedicating is one way that he tries to connect the dots here for us and saying, look, this these sacrifices— Pave the way for you to hear us. Uh, this temple, even though it doesn't contain you, is a is a a form or a picture that helps us to re recall the fact that we need you to hear us. I love this because if you're if you're thinking about the way that this is fulfilled in the New Testament, of course Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice that gives us the ear of God. There's never a time He doesn't hear us. He hears us whenever we speak. 
all because of Christ's sacrifice. So this image of what the temple represented is fulfilled beautifully and completely in Jesus Christ. He alone makes us hearable by God the Father. And you think the focus right now, right, is the Holy of Holies and the Ark. And I mentioned earlier, only the high priest could go in there. Right. And I was thinking about with, with this passage, Hebrews chapter 4. Um, we have that great high priest who's gone in and, and the, the veil, the curtain is no longer there. Torn in two. And now we can, as the writer says there, with boldness drawn near to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in, in time of need. Yeah, and even in a verse, the second half of, uh, so from verse 37 onward, remember, audience of the uh, returned exiles, they see, oh man, look, if you humble yourselves and if you draw near to God, you repent, he'll hear you, he'll respond to you. Man, what an encouragement to them. Hey, don't mess us up, Israel. You were exiled, you were disciplined by God because of your unfaithfulness. You have another chance to do it right with him and to respond appropriately. So families out there, men out there, dads out there, encourage, this is a teaching opportunity for your kids, a couple fold here. Number one, just the grandeur and majesty and glory of God that, uh, that we need to be intentional and careful about our worship of him. I mean, he is, he is impressive and he wanted his house to communicate that. And in, in so many ways it does, but then also just the approachability of the fact that that we can, he does hear us just as, as pastor Rod was talking about that because of Jesus, because of our great high priest, because we have forgiveness of our sins, you know, God does hear and does respond to our needs and help us in time of need as well. And so there's a, a great, uh, it, it's good to be on this side of the cross, so to speak. That's right. Well, from here we go uh, back to John's gospel in our new Testament reading in John chapter 12. We just had the triumphal entry there. And the Pharisees have just said, hey, behold, the whole world is going after him. And speaking of that, we, we have a guy named Philip in the beginning of John chapter 12 in our reading in verse 20. Uh, Pastor Rod, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I love this because Philip is approached by some Greeks, these guys who are not Jewish. They're, they're converts who are there at the same time as the other Jews. Remember the, the beginning of this passage in John chapter 20. This is six days before the Passover. So everyone who would have any association with the religious life of Israel would have been gathering. These Greeks show up. They're up there for the feast. And they came to Philip and say, Philip, show us Jesus. Or the way that the ESV translates it, sir, we wish to see Jesus. And what a beautiful phrase. I keep on using that word, I know. But it is beautiful. The Greeks are now being attracted to Jesus. So Philip goes and tells Andrew. Andrew then goes to tell Jesus. And Jesus responds with, all right, that's how I know. The time is, is soon. The hour has come. Previously in the Gospel of John, you've been reading that the hour had not yet come, but now the hour is here. How do we know? Well, the Greeks, the non, uh, non-Jewish non people are now being attracted to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, this is how we know that it's time for the cross to happen. Yeah, that, the hour is such a significant concept in John's Gospel. All the way back in John chapter 2, right, you have the water to wine miracle, and G- Mary comes to Jesus and says, hey, you need to do something. And right there he says, my hour is not yet. Not and yet. that is kind of the consistent refrain until we get here. Mm. And he says, my hour has come. That is a massively significant statement that we shouldn't miss as we're reading through this this passage. And then he says that concept of the grain of wheat that, that falls in order, uh, and it has to die in order to bear much fruit. And he's, he's alluding to what's coming, the cross, the, the death, and the, the fact that it's going to bear much fruit. And in the context there, as Pastor Rod was just saying, not just fruit in Israel, but fruit in the nations as well, fruit from, uh, from the Gentiles, fruit from the Greeks. Um, and here in this, the remainder of this section in, in chapter 12, verses 20 through 50, is, is really kind of Jesus' final public call 
to the, the people, the crowds there on the Temple Mount to repent. Uh, because from here, he's going to go to the upper room in John chapter 13 and following, and then from there to the Garden of Gethsemane and from there to the cross. So, so this is kind of that, that final time when Jesus is looking at the world saying, hey, the hour's here and, and time is running out for you guys to see who I am, to recognize who I am and to, and to come follow me and truly follow me. Um, and it's, it's interesting uh, in verse 27, we get a, a glimpse into the, uh, some of the humanity of Jesus in verse 27 when he says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then we have the voice from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered, right? We were talking about thunder earlier because yesterday it, there was a thunderstorm at our offices, and it was loud, and it was aggressive, and we were talking about that concept of God thundering. Um, but it's it's just an, an interesting glimpse into Jesus anticipating the cross and his soul is troubled. Sometimes I think I can be tempted into just thinking that Jesus went through all of this robotically, like floating on a cloud. Yeah. Like, well, of course he went and died on the cross, but yeah. he was the son of God and he knew that's what he was supposed to do. Mm. But man, he, he's he's in angst over this. And, it, and this isn't even the Garden of Gethsemane yet. Um, and then that final plea to people, look, I'm I'm not here to judge you right now. But you will be judged if you reject me. Right. And so make sure that you don't. The light is among you for a little while longer. And, and listen, y'all, that, that's true for us today too, right? The, the light it now is not the, the, the presence of Christ on earth in bodily form, but the presence of the church on earth as the body of Christ that's gone out with the gospel message to reach the lost and call people to repent and trust Jesus. But we don't know how much longer the light of the church is going to be here with this message of faith and repentance. And so I think one of our takeaways from this is that we need to be faithful with that message to go out and, and call people to faith and repentance. Absolutely. And the time is short. In fact, I was talking, I was talking to my kids recently. I'm like, dude, you, you guys, and I do tell my kids, dude, you guys don't know how long you're going to live. Like you, you assume that you're going to have X amount of years or this many days you make plans. And I sound like scripture right now. You know, you say, okay, we'll go to this town and we'll do that thing. We'll do this thing over here. Yet you do not know what your life is. Your life is a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, James 4.14 says. But in the second half of this section that we're looking at in John chapter 12, look at the end of verse 36. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. That is not a good thing. Dude, if Jesus is hiding from you, that's a bad day. But as you see in this text here, verse 37, they still did not believe in him. Just think about that, Pastor PJ. These guys are seeing all these signs that Jesus does in front of them, and they're never enough. Verse 37, they still did not believe in him. And then verse 39, therefore, they could not believe. They did not believe. They would not believe. And therefore, they could not believe. And there's lots of reasons that John explores in here. I would look at that with your families and make sure that you're just tracking with him and seeing Man, it is, it is possible to harden your heart against God's revelation such that you just can't believe because you won't believe. I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg, but I do know when God offers you his hand of salvation, hey, Hebrew says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. If by chance you're listening and this is you, man, what are you doing? Right. Today's the day. Bow the knee to Christ. You may not have another to do it. Right. Right. And, and some of you have loved ones or family members or maybe a boss or somebody who said, man, if, if only God would just show up and do something, right? Then I would believe. If he would just show up and do these signs, then I would believe. Why right. doesn't he do this anymore? Why did he? Well, we've got the answer in this passage, as Pastor Rod was just talking about. Think of all the different things they had seen from Jesus, and they still don't believe. Mm. And it's, it hurts. It, it's not a, a it's not an issue of, of a lack of evidence, but a lack of a willingness. 
um, to believe there. And yeah, the, the danger that's there. So, well, we are grateful again that you've tuned in to follow along with us in our daily Bible reading program. We'd love for you to get this podcast out to other people too. So you can like it on whatever platform you're listening on. You can share it to friends and family, and uh, we would love to have more people tune in and join with us as we study God's word together. In the meantime, we will catch you uh, tomorrow for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Thank you.